This podcast contains adult content, so if you've got little ears in the car, you may want to turn it down. We also go deep into the emotional, spiritual, and energetic worlds, so please open your hearts and proceed with care. As soon as your outer vestments are in hand, I know you're easy. Even when you're woo 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 well, hi there, weirdos, and welcome to the Woo Woo Bus. It's a deep dive into spirit and soul awakening, energy, and just a whole bunch of other stuff that you simply do not talk about at parties. I'm Kiralee. And I'm Lynette. And we are your intrepid guides, taking you through the verse of Woo. And look, today we're going big. It's the Everest of energy. It's the white whale of woo. It's the soul. That's vast. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. The soul's huge. No edges again. <laughs> no limits. And it's really about what it means to be human, I think, like when we talk about the soul, right? What it means to be a human having an experience of consciousness. It's so funny when we start talking about this concept, my brain just goes, it goes into like a transcendental space. It is that massive. Mm. How can you put words around it? Structures, but we're going to try. And it's part of the fun of being humans. Humans have been trying to quantify the soul, discuss the soul, explain the soul, understand the soul, basically since we became conscious, mm. since we became aware. Although that's a question as well when you think about in the history of our evolution from monkeys to, to now, to humans, where did the soul pop in? Yeah, I love that question. Uh, let's go. Oh, good, isn't it? <laughs> um, let's start. What is a soul? Let's try and get like some sort of definition going of like what is a soul? What are we talking about? Well, you know, it would seem when you first say that that everyone's speaking about the same thing when they say, you know, soul. But I don't think we are when you really think I don't about think it. We are. It's been a little bit used interchangeably with the word spirit, but they're actually mm-hmm. quite different things. So when I think about the soul, I think about your essence or our essence Mm -hmm. and when I think about the spirit that's the divine essence within your soul so if you Mm -hmm. imagine you've got a body on the outside and you've got a mind that has consciousness which is connected to the ego and in Jungian terms they kind of describe the ego as the consciousness that swims in the sea of unconsciousness God, I hope you're still with me. So we've got a body, a mind, and then we've got a soul, and then we've got a spirit inside the soul. And all of these are interacting and talking and connecting to the external world and influence. Is that okay? We've just yeah, taken kind of, something no, and no, we're all on it. And yeah, we're yeah, yeah. There. We're all there. We're passing. Um, so the because I very much am schooled in Eastern philosophy and in that understanding the soul is that which is immortal that which is not unchanging but eternal so if there's a belief of reincarnation it's the soul that keeps coming back and again and again and again and that's right and I think that's where it gets confused with the spirit because the spirit is also eternal and it's Mm. the internal connection to everything that's limitless and eternal in the divine sense but the soul is your essence of that eternal frequency it's the Kirli essence or the Lynette essence or the everyone essence. Everyone has their own soul essence and within that is the eternal spirit that's connected to everythingness. It's like our own soul flavour. 
our own soul box of chocolates. When we say the word soul in English at this time, we are actually coming from a Germanic root for the word soul. And the Germanic root means coming from or belonging to the sea Mm. or the lake. Perfect. Which is just gorgeous. And it comes from an old belief that souls came and left from sacred lakes. Love it. And there's this amazing, when I think about the soul, because it is such a puzzle. Oh my God, being human's a puzzle anyway, but this is such a puzzle within a puzzle wrapped in a mystery, folded into an enigma when we talk about the soul. But of course, some really smart, profound, connected people have come before us to share their thoughts. And I want to share a little quote from Thich Nhat Hanh because he's gone very deep on all of this in his time. And he has the most beautiful way of looking at it. So this is from him. When we look at the ocean, we see that each wave has a beginning and an end. A wave can be compared to other waves and we can call it more or less beautiful, higher or lower, longer lasting or less long lasting. But if we look more deeply, we see that a wave is made of water. While living the life of a wave, the wave also lives the life of water. It would be sad if the wave did not know it was water. It would think, someday I have to die. This period of time is my lifespan, and when I arrive at the shore, I will return to non-being. These notions will cause the wave fear and anguish. A wave can be recognised by signs, beginning or ending, high or low, beautiful or ugly. In the world of the wave, the world of relative truth, the wave feels happy if she swells and she feels sad as she falls. She may think I am high or I am low and develop superiority or inferiority complexes. But in the world of the water, there are no signs. And when the wave touches her true nature, which is water, and all her complexes will cease, she will transcend birth and death. Yeah, that, know, that's... right. So it's like we're all just waves and we're all water and when we break we go back to water and then we form into a wave again. And what's interesting is that's reflected again in another religious text, which is, you know, what we know as the Bible. In Hebrews they talk about the fact that nothing can divide the soul from the spirit but the hand of the divine itself there Mm. there is no separation Mm. between the energy of that essence of the universe and the essence within us it is connected and it's connected to all things but you also describe something else that's wonderful is that because we are earth matter we are living the ups and downs and all the changes around us that are happening on the earth plane and it affects our soul and equally our Mm. soul can affect the external world and so there's this beautiful interconnection Mm -hmm. between these two energies and it is so interesting when you sit with children because they just seem to have this natural flow between soul and earth plane and connection and then as we get older we we kind of separate from it and have to find our way back to these understandings. It's that great quote that like we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience and living on both planes, being these big divine soul connected to God beings and these like, oh, my God, I'm running late for work. And if I don't get there, I'm going to get yelled at beings. It's complicated. There are these layers and these these frequencies that operate with different connection to the external world. And what I think we're all trying to get back to in terms of when we talk about the woo and working with this stuff is that we're trying to get back to that soul level. We're really trying to bring it back. Because you can think of the soul as well as in your higher self. Mm. That's another way that in Eastern philosophy and yoga philosophy we talk about the soul. And there's this saying that everything you do, every action you take, 
takes you either closer to your higher self Mm. or further away from your higher self. And on some fundamental level, even if you might be in a whole bunch of denial, on some fundamental level, you know which one it is. You know if you're going closer or if you're going further away. And you know because it's either draining you or enhancing Mm. you. And, you know, as we Mm. go on, I guess we're going to talk about that energy that comes when you get close to a soul, your soul, someone else's mm. soul, the moments of soul mm-hmm. ins and outs. Yeah, this is my Love favorite it. topics. Yeah. Okay, so you've got a soul. Mm. I've got a soul. I'm currently recording this podcast in a house with a cat. Does a cat have a soul? What about the plants in the room with me? Do they have souls? In the most Eastern philosophy, everything has a soul. Mm. And there's that beautiful Hindu story about how the gods were talking about that human beings were really not honouring this energy and they were like, where are we going to put it? We can't figure it out, how to hide it from them because they're destroying it. And they ended up saying, oh, what about in mountains and what about in seas and what about in rivers? And they ended up putting it inside the human thinking they will never find it. But the interesting thing is it is Mm. all sentient beings, all living beings and you know I would say that a plant has a soul and a a mountain has a soul absolutely if you look at most indigenous and eastern cultures they honor every living part of the world as having a soul and it's a profound wisdom and understanding that often in the west we have completely lost because people in the west might be like nothing like we barely have a soul so like an animal doesn't have a soul but no like definitely does Definitely all living beings are sacred. So sad for those people. And whenever I kill a mosquito, I, um, I always wish it better luck in the next life. I'm like, good luck next life. You're moving up. <laughs> May you come back as a beetle. That, that was one of the most popular questions everybody asked my teacher. I remember like, you know, is like, does a mosquito or a cockroach have the same weight in their frequency of soul as a plant? Mm. And I guess that's where some people turn to veganism and pray over their meals and all of that kind of stuff because it is the honoring of all living essence not just a living yeah yeah being as we've defined it it's essence of living yeah so how do we understand we have a soul there's certain experiences that we have where we really come into contact with we have a soul like a near-death experience a transcendental experience how is it that we can really connect with our soul nature well you know i love looking at this in history because the egyptians used to weigh the heart so Mm. there was always this connection with trying to figure out where the essence was living where it was and they threw away the brain didn't they they were like the brain's got nothing going away the heart the heart's where it's they threw away the brain they're like the heart has the soul in it right so in general terms we think Mm. about the soul being in the lungs and the heart area but people believe the frequency runs through the pineal gland and also Mm -hmm. other energies around the consciousness of the nervous system but there's this amazing thing have you heard of dr duncan mcdougall he was around in the 1900s and you've got to love this man because he was a doctor but he went i want to understand how much a soul weighs yeah right so he despite the rejection of it as scientific fact he popularized this idea that the soul is 21 grams because he did these experiments although some people foo-foo them he did these experiments about the loss of weight that happened at the moment of death and he recorded them and he did do it with human beings and he also did it with animals and there was a bit of contention because he was like well does 
the animal have the same level of energy, essence and soul as a human because it didn't lose as much when it passed over and there was all these big questions raised from it. But it's kind of an interesting understanding because he was saying that at the moment of death, the last breath, he really did find that there was a release of weight from the physical system. Yes, there's temperature and moisture loss and air loss and all of those things, but he continued to weigh those bodies over the hours after they had died. And it pretty much on average came out as 21 grams by the end of it. There's a lot of discussion as well in various, I don't know if this is philosophy, I think this is far more religion and culture when the soul enters the body. Like if that, okay, when we die, it leaves, when does it actually arrive? This is interesting in terms of being a reader because I have read people obviously at all different stages, pre the soul entering the body. So I've read the soul of the baby around the person before the soul enters. I've read the baby when the baby is in the body but is still coming into its physical form. I've read babies that are born and I go, oh, you're still slightly out of your body. I don't think it's mm. the same for every person. I think yeah, we yeah, I agree actually. little choices karmically around, yeah, I was banging there. My third son, he was so in and strong from the beginning, I can't explain it. My twins, oh, I reckon they took like six months to fully earth into their yeah, bodies, you yeah. know, and I think mothers yeah. and fathers yeah. and parents see this and know this and feel it. Yeah, and I read somebody recently who was trying to get pregnant and I could feel the baby around. I'm like, yep, she's around, she's trying to come through, like she's definitely there, but you just need to give her some time. And she did a pregnancy test two days later and she's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm pregnant. I'm like, yeah, but it just hasn't come in yet. Like she's definitely there. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. true. It's true. Yeah, yeah it's, true. it's wild. So he talks about the soul as like he considered like the soul must be the driver of the body because once it leaves – there's no animation and you can see it in the eyes. The eyes change. He was witnessing pupil shifts and all of this kind of stuff and it, he said it's really obvious once that energy has fully left that there is a lack of animation and light in the body. Yeah, and if you've ever seen the dead body of someone you love, it's, it's a house where no one's home. You know they're not there anymore. It's yeah. super, it looks like them. It's got the physical form, but you can clearly see they're yeah. not home anymore And when the soul is left. It's remarkable. In many cultures, it's considered important to witness the body without the soul as a way of recognising mm -hmm. this is done. There's something happens to us when we physically can hold or witness that moment. And in our culture, it's yeah. become so not the, the norm and in fact it's coming back mm. a lot more and in fact a horror show or something like something you wouldn't want to see or do yeah so it's coming back a lot more yeah in Balinese Hinduism there's a belief that for seven days after the death of the person mm. I think it's seven days excuse me if it's not but for a period of time after the person physically dies the soul hangs around I believe that too so part of the preparation of the cremation ceremony is the priest's the family yes. gathers uh, with the priest and the priest talks to the soul and says, so okay, what do you wise. want? What do you want to oh. take with you? What do you want burnt with you? How's this going down? Anything we need to conclude in this lifetime? And they actually consult with the soul of the person who's passed to figure out what the funeral will look like. Amazing. Do you know, I do so much of that work. Often when I write mm. to and go, sorry, I'm in an emergency reading, that's what I'm doing. Because the yeah, soul leaves yep. the body and then it's not done. It's got cleanup business if it didn't get to do it. Yep. Usually yep. The, from the moment it passes or is 
going to pass till the moment that it is time and ready for the funeral or the release there is a whole lot of business going on psychically and spiritually with all the souls that they connected with and people will talk about this even non-believers will say oh a picture of that person fell off the wall or you know and it's them trying to go hi i I hear you i just need to gather something change or they'll dream as they're passing through you know yeah magic gosh i love that some cultures are so connected i really hope we can do this more because it cleans up everything get there one day really nicely that's my virgo let's do it properly <laughs> yeah and it makes real sense so these experiences we have where we can really feel mm. the soul our near death experiences our transcendental experiences you've had a bit of experience with this i've actually read a lot of people that have had connection to the other side you know, in that near-death state and come back. I've had an experience similar to that myself. The earliest one I remember is my father, actually. When I was younger, he had a car accident where he was in a truck, a small truck, and he was driving and he fell asleep at the wheel and he ran into a semi-trailer. He ran up the back of a semi-trailer and he was incredibly injured he was on the side of the road and he remembers something pulling him out of his body and I remember when we saw him in the hospital he said I just remember saying to them no and he saw all of us flash past his eyes and he said I'm not done they need me you must send me back and he immediately felt himself back in his body Mm. similar thing happened to me when I was having a very big complication after my twin birth and I could feel myself leaving and I could see and feel the spirit world stronger than the physical world. And I had this moment where I was like, what are you doing? Like, I haven't talked to my guides like they're my mates. <laughs> I just gave birth. I have to go mother. My God. <laughs> what are you doing to me? My God. And they, and they went, oh, we just thought we'd show you a little bit more this side and then bring you back. You're like, dude, it's timing. Read the room. And I was like, No. I do not. I was literally like going, no, are you kidding? Not today. No. And immediately this nurse touched me and she said, we've agreed to give you some water now. And they gave me water. And I just remember having this pressure, feeling like I was being pushed back in and right down back into my body. And I really could for that moment feel the separation between me and my body. Although I felt that through my whole life because I was a child that used to leave my body all the time to survive when I was very little. So coming in and going out was kind of normal, but that was a little bit more intense and a little bit more not on my mental yeah. schedule. Yeah, yeah. But Eben Alexander is probably the person I remember, you know, in popular literature, the neuroscientist who went over from um, meningitis and he basically was in that long coma and he had big conversations with all his people on the other side and then they said, it's not your time, don't be afraid, but you need to go back. And lots of people talk about that. I haven't had near-death experiences. I have had transcendental experiences. I know you have. <laughs> None of us yeah, are surprised. Yeah, just a few. <laughs> <laughs> you sure? Which I think is like a nice mm. way of having that confirmation of the soul and the bigger picture. That's what I like about a transcendental experience is it does move you out of this everyday material world. Here I am just being human, getting through it up into like the soul level view of life and existence and what we're here for and it's like you get to do all that without the the near death bit which is really calming which is why 
cultures have used plant medicine throughout the ages yeah, to give people yeah. those experiences so that they know they're not just a body, they're not just the mind, they're not just the ego, that there's something bigger. And that's, you know, I recently read somebody who had a DMT experience for the first time and they said, I have not stopped crying since I returned. Mm. And I said, this is normal. It's like you went home, you saw the magnificence of it and now you're working out, I can't live this way anymore. I, ha- I can't live mm. pretending that... All of that doesn't exist, all that love, all that light, all that limitlessness. So let yourself have a cry because it's softening the body and the mind and you'll land. Transcendental experiences, whether you get them through plant medicine or yoga or meditation or like psychedelics, whatever it is, they absolutely change you when you, in the same way a near-death experience does. When you reach out and touch your soul and realize that there's more going on than, than the material every day, it's beautiful. It's stunning. They're mind-altering experiences. Difficult, stunning. One of the first times I ever had that experience, I could not believe the sense of love that I was enveloped in for hours. That's the real relief, isn't it? I had never been, I mean, obviously fall in love with everyone else in the room and God knows that just turns into a whole lot of freaky stuff. But that experience was like, if I hadn't have had that experience... My life would be very, very different. And so I do understand, I know we talk about this a lot, why people find their way to this. But as we've spoken about before, usually in Indigenous cultures who use this medicine, there is a medicine person, there's an administrator who helps that. And often what they'll say is, we've got to try and receive that experience, that transcendental experience through the body and the state of awareness without the medicine. And, you know... That's where it gets to be interesting because I think our culture is really struggling with that second aspect. But there's a place for all of it and we talk about this all the time and certainly the next generation are open to it, I think. Yeah, definitely. One of the things I love when we're talking about the soul is the idea of the micro versus macro so that we do like, and I explain this when I read people actually, I'm like when your angels come in and they want to talk to you, they're really interested in big picture, bird's eye view, soul level. So even if you ask a really small question, you're going to get this beautiful big answer to it. And so when we pull out to soul level, that's when we can think about the themes of our lives, the topic of our lives, The um, rather than this is just happening right now and it's really annoying me. It's like we can pull out and go, oh, how does this fit into the bigger picture of maybe not just this lifetime, but maybe the lifetimes I had before, the lifetimes yet to come. Definitely, It's kind of cool. I mean, it's a, it'll do your head in, but it's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Part of reading somebody is being able to register all those different layers. So when someone first sits in front of you or you get on the phone to them, you'll be talking it out in the physical world a little bit and then all of a sudden it becomes very distinctive. That is the mind. That is the higher frequency. This is the bigger understanding of this story. And usually I love this, but there is always this wink. When you are seeing the macro in the micro and the micro in the macro, these two energies working and interplaying, there's a wink. I remember watching this for the first time and it blew my mind and I could not explain it to people without them looking at me like, what are you talking about? But it's never left me. Michael Lissi did this documentary called The Signs of God. And he went and studied all these people around the world and put them in this documentary series about people who believed that they had seen and connected to the other side and the energies. And there was this woman, Katia, in South America who believed that she would get 
connected to the Divine Mother and the Father, Mary and Jesus, and she would develop stigmata as it was about to happen. And he documented and witnessed this stigmata and her suffering going into the connection with the other side. And then she would get messages from the Divine Mother and then she would bring them back and share them. And he documented this whole experience. What was interesting was that she was really questioned, obviously, for whether or not this was real and was she having it on. Now, I don't know anyone else who does this work, but it is quite painful energetically, mentally and physically sometimes when you're crossing between these frequencies. And I was watching her going, there is no way that woman is putting it on. Yeah, I know people do, but she was in the living embodied experience and couldn't dictate when it was happening to her and when it wasn't. Later on, there was this other woman separate from her who was saying that these these visions of Mary were appearing randomly in rose petals when she prayed over them. These two incidences seems like they have no connection. At the end of the movie, Mike Willis, he sits with Cartier and he says, what is it that the Divine Mother wants to tell everybody? And funnily enough, the woman with the rose petals had been completely discounted. Like it looked like she was not speaking the truth and that this wasn't, you know, happening. Cartier didn't know her and at the end she says, you have to look for the signs in all places. You have to look for them in the trees, in the sky, what people say on the flesh of a rose petal. Nice. So these winks, are, this is how the soul works. Like it talks in this language as we've tried to describe before where it's bigger than our mind can understand and then all of a sudden it layers over the top of each other and you go, there it is, I see, I see it. it. It, I always love it when I read someone and they're like, I've got five different problems and none of them are connected to each other. Or like five different issues. One's a blessing, one's a problem, one's I need some clarity. And then by the end of your reading, you're like, it's all the same thing. <laughs> it is, everything is connected. Oh my God, the reading's done. That's it. We're complete. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One of the funnier ones I had, she was having a lot of trouble with boundaries and borders in her life, in her personal life. And then she also had hemorrhoids and it came through that like, well, that's that's an issue of boundaries as well. Like the border of your body and things leaving your body, it's all like... Things are busting out. Yeah, it's all like connected energy. Healing one will heal the other. When you connect into these different layers, they feel different. So the physical layer of a person, yeah. exactly as you described, sounds like... Nee, 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 at least my physical layer does yeah <laughs> yeah and I'll often say to people can you just talk to me about that and they'll be really giving it their all and I'll say to them I'm not really listening to you I'm not really listening to the words I'm listening to the frequency of what you're saying and it sounds like nah, 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 nah. and then as soon as they hit something that is that next energetic level I'll go oh repeat that it changes, yes. I need to go down that energy. And then, you know, we start yes. connecting and you start knowing when you're hitting the soul frequency because you fall in love. You start energetically mm. connecting to this love space and, you know, often I'll cry, they'll cry, there'll be this feeling. And that's why the job is so amazing and special because you get to fall in love all the time. But it teaches you something, that that energy is universal Everybody has it. I've never read anyone who you can't get to that energy with. It does sometimes mean that that person can't get to it. They can't feel it within themselves. But it's our job as readers to share that. They and that love have... is, is the water that the Thich Nhat Hanh quote was talking about. Like that's the water, that's the wave we're built out of. And when our wave crashes, that's what we go back to. Yeah. This is how we find soul family. So that 
energy that we're connecting into that feels like a love and a frequency is in everyone and we should have that connection and respect of it for everyone even if it is to say I feel love in you I see light in you but I don't want necessarily to be near you ever talk to you yes I have references my cutoff game is strong (laughs) wishing you well (laughs) love and light love and light love and light babes love and light yeah the soul family is that energy of people who resonate in that frequency that's right for you that are a part of your journey or part of evolution I guess yeah and some people aren't really comfortable with this level at all no and I think that's some of the reason why what we do is so scary to some people because we go straight to the soul you know and what is that meme it says sometimes no matter what you do your soul is going to ruffle someone else's demons and I think that's true if you come in at a level like this with somebody and then not wanting to feel or not wanting to hear it's it can be scratchy I've certainly tried to connect with people and solve things on a soul level and gone yep that that's not happening they want to take it down into an ego or a mind level and there's nothing you can do you can just wish people well and no and it can turn into a little bit of shoot the messenger at that point in which case you need to get out yeah it's just time sometimes to say we don't speak the same language and that's okay so you and I really, we work with soul energy, we connect in on different energetical frequencies, we have like, we've been able to see and feel and touch a larger version of the soul, which really ties into things like past life, reincarnation, different um, energetic dimensions that people travel through. Just to really take it to the next level. You're not just a soul in this lifetime. There were past lifetimes. There'll be future lifetimes. Yeah, your essence has been traveling in many different earth forms. I I truly believe that. Me too. Does my head in, but I really do. Does past life reading come up in every session? Absolutely not. I truly do believe that it comes up when it is right and ready. I had people who come to me obsessed with past lives and their past lives usually that's for a reason and we can untangle what that reason is some of the most dramatic and profound experiences I've had with this are that I have sometimes sat down to read somebody and gone it's like living a movie like I can feel and see the movie it's not in this time I see them in different clothes and I describe a scenario and I'll say I'm so sorry before we start I just have to tell you about this scenario and often they'll say to me that you change the clothes, you change the dates. That is exactly why I'm here. That is what my ex-husband is doing today. That is the business arrangement yeah. I'm trying to get out of. That is, And you realise, oh, yes, we've got to solve it right back there. You've been doing this many, many times. Yeah, I think yeah, children yeah. are also really interesting when it comes to this because they share very much what happened before they came in when they're very little, yes. like my sons will say, he pushed me out. We were all supposed to come together. Thank God, can you imagine having three babies at once? If you've done that, my God, my hat off to you. But they were like, we're all meant to come together and he pushed me out. And often the pecking order amongst my children is still playing out from before they even got here. I knew that before I was opening to be pregnant, but I really got it once I started that pregnancy journey because I was like, right, I'm going to fall pregnant here and it's going to be like this and I'm going to – and none of it worked the way my mind wanted it to. I had to like go through all sorts of energies and experiences to bring these babies through. But I used to see constantly these souls interchanging and changing their order. Anyway, 
I got sick of the experience and got confused myself. So I thought, I'm going to go and sit in front of someone and see what they see. And when I sat down in front of her, she said, oh, love, they have no idea who's coming first. And I said, oh, well, just tell them to come all at once. They'll figure it out. Within the month, I was pregnant with twins. And and they say, I, you know, I tried to all, we tried to all come at once. And I think there's this understanding that we think that we're in control, but there's a much bigger soul picture going on about what our relationships are and who we've been to each other and the timing, like even the timing that they want to come in. And we don't think we want an April baby or a December baby, but that's when they're, they need to come in for them. And we're not always consciously mindful of letting that happen. I often read people as well and they'll be asking a question about a certain person in their life, usually a child, somebody very close, child or partner or parent, and it just comes through. It's like you guys have been together in so many different formations through so many different lifetimes. Sometimes you were the child, sometimes you were the parent. A lot of what's going on between you right now, it's left over. Like you're still working through these situations and these soul agreements and this karma and we've spoken about the joy of working on soul level and how, how much love and understanding and connection and mm. continuity there is when you get up onto the soul level. Now, this is like the frustrating part yeah. of soul level, is it? isn't it? Because yeah. it's like, surprise, you're not in control. Surprise, there's a bigger picture and there's nothing you can do about it. Surprise, you're living through your karma. Deal with it. And you have to be like, oh, fine, yes. fine. And what if that journey of being a mother is to have those babies miscarry through you at a very early phase in the journey and you're still the mother and I had that happen I miscarried Mm -hmm. twins before I fell pregnant with twins and I believe they're the same twins I believe they were the same souls preparing me getting me ready showing me they were there because I was crying a river of tears every single time I wasn't pregnant and you know, I look back on it and go, they were trying to show me yeah. we're there. I believe the souls come back, keep trying to come through. Often people connect with me and say, I'm so sad. I've had this miscarriage and I'm trying to fall pregnant. I go, this is a beautiful sign. It's a sign that there is a soul around you trying to come through. But now we've got to open to the timing. Now we've got to work with the soul of this experience. And even if you never have children like myself, I'm, I don't have children, I never will. There's still some sort of when you get onto the soul level, there's still some sort of like, they're sucked in surprise of like, you were born into the family you were born into. Like that's, you didn't get to control that. Maybe you did on some certain level, but you can't now. Like, it's like you came in the family, you came in, you came in the body, you came in, you came in the country and the social class and the gender and the situation that you came in. That's all the really big soul level stuff that you then have to work your way through in this lifetime. A hundred percent. And the the ego and the mind in the sea of unconsciousness wants to look at everything we don't have Mm. and we can't control and it gets very angry. But if you look at a lot of the stories and journeys our culture tries to take us on, it's about the moment the soul takes over and the mind and the ego lose the reins it's we're trying to teach ourselves that the higher order and the higher balance constantly is the right way to go but when you're down in the dirt you know or it just feels like shit it's hard but it can go either way right like sometimes I've been down in the dirt and I've been like I'm not I'm not in control I want to be in control because I'm down in the dirt and maybe I could get my way out of here and other times I've been down in the dirt and I've been like oh I'm not in control yeah I'm not in control. So like weight off my shoulders. I don't have to, I don't rule the universe. I can kind of hand this over. 
I think you start to live like that more and more. So when I feel myself mm. clenching or I feel myself uh, wanting to respond or I, feel, I just go, oh, this is – I'm step back. Would you say – how? what's your percentage? I would say like 40%. I'm just like step back and 60% I'm like <laughs> – Since I have had my children – from that minute, because none of that went the way I would have written it down. None of it, like absolutely none of it. And they are more amazing and more divine than I could imagine. But none, I have my Virgo has had to lose control over and over and over again of myself, my life, everything. And so I, I think it's about thirty percent. I want that control. I really mm-hmm. still hanker. Like if I love somebody. I don't want them to pass over if I'm not ready for them to go. I want more birthdays. I want more celebrations. Yeah, I, I just want, you know, want all the people I love to have whatever they want, whenever they want it. And sometimes I get really cranky if I've got a day off and I really want to go to a restaurant. I want to go that I've been wanting to connect into and I can't do it. But I equally go, yeah, yeah because I, I, every time I hold on, it gets harder. It just gets so much yeah. harder. Some days... And it's like some days are easy, some days are hard. Some days I'm like, I am a soul having a human experience. And other days I'm like, I want to slap you because you are taking too long with your groceries and I need to be out of here, bitch. Do you know what? I don't like myself anymore when I walk away from that experience. I think it's been sort of this evolved sense of I get in the car and I might have done, you know, something where I go, I've really put my foot down about something and tried to go, I deserve this or whatever. And I just think, what are you doing now? Your frequency feels yucky. And And then you're like, really? Yeah, I don't like that feeling. I don't like the feeling that comes after control. I know what I'm doing and I know it's not going to end out to be the best flow. Yeah, but I just want everything to go my way all the time. Is it too much to ask? So one of the things I love about past life discussion is it feels like often anybody at a party who wants to tell you that they know about their past life, they were always Joan of Arc or Napoleon or like they were always like Cleopatra. Um, There's a bit of like celebrity hunting in past lives, isn't there? Celebrity culture. Which is why when someone stands up and says, I'm this person, there was that recent experience where the little boy of one of our Australian TV presenters came out and he's having very similar memories and saying that he was Princess Diana in a past life and that was very controversial. I didn't see it as controversial. I mean, he's not going to make it up. So it's something to explore. But it is interesting as adults. A lot of people go, do now I have an Indigenous Mm. American guide and I'm like, well, we'll see. (laughs) I'll be the judge of that. It's not always – it would, there would have to be some link on some level and and usually you will get some confirmation. So in my life it was interesting. I had this fixation, still do, with all Asian culture, ancient China, Japan, massive. Whenever I land in Japan, I'm in a river of tears. It's my home country. I love it. Can't not want to experience China. And it's interesting when I was little my mother talks about this story where the only thing I'd want to wear is this dress that was Chinese inspired and she said you wore it to death and we don't know why and then when I started to look at my heritage and my passport that I've always known that my grandparents on my father's side were Russian but what I didn't understand was when I got my grandmother's birth certificate she was actually born in China because the borders between Russia and China used to move all the time. So she spent quite a lot of time in China. And when they fled Russia during the revolution, oh, right. they went to China and down through Japan. So my family heritage, 
and the soul past energies actually lived in those countries and found great refuge in those countries. So it's interesting. I didn't know that, but I always had that hankering. And now my son, without any persuasion at all, is doing exactly the same thing. He All he wants to do is go to China. All he wants to do is speak Chinese. All his friends are Chinese. And it's so interesting how you watch the energy come through. Celebrity past life energy. I was going to say, that's all very interesting, but were you Cleopatra in a past life? Come oh, on. Maybe a, a high concubine to some general. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe if you were lucky. <laughs> but, you know, I think, I think it's interesting because people do come, don't they? And they really want that confirmation. And I'm sure we've been all levels and frequencies in it. But I do ask people to be wary of that absolute connection to a person or a name and to wait for the confirmation to come through the physical world because usually you'll be handed items or something just keeps returning to you to show you that that's real. It's very rarely just coming from your mind. So when we talk past life and we talk reincarnation, that's really where the concept of karma... That we bring it forward, that we bring something with us from a previous experience. Yeah, yeah, that it's not a fresh start every time, right? That there, that we come in with certain energy, certain imprints, certain lessons that we need to learn in this lifetime. That our or, or actions somehow carry an energy forward. Yes, and I found the concept, before I really understood karma... I found it to be I, oh, like the bad, idea that no more punitive. Good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. And this idea that, oh, well, maybe if you have cancer or a disability or something really bad happens to you, well, you're a bad person. You caused that. But that's before I really understood karma because then when I, I did a lot of um, study and understanding, there is no good karma and there is no bad karma. Actually, the concepts yes. of good and bad are very, they're not soul level concepts. They're very human material world level concepts. And it's more, you can, if you can take the good karma, the bad karma away from it, you don't have to worry about those kind of, um, that binary anymore. You can just get into the experience and come at it from a, what is the lesson here? Like, what am I learning through Oh, how very age of Aquarius of you. Because that's where we're heading, right? Where there is no good and bad. And that we are all learning. And to come at it with rightful positive intention creates the next wheel of positive frequency. So recently I had a client who was going through chemotherapy and she said to me it's my choice to do these parts of the treatment and the way I'm going to see it is that everything these people are doing to me is love and I'm receiving the love and healing I need to undo whatever knot I've got myself into or that has occurred wherever it came from and that level of openness of and the beautiful visual of undoing knots and tending like brushing hair you know that's got tangled or you want to kind of start to get a different kind of flow in something I thought was so beautiful and she was she said I felt so much love through the whole journey yeah love it which is, that's the power of intention as well, isn't it? And and this is, I think, very linked to karma. When people talk about karma, it's really what the energy is behind it. So you, have you ever done something and you've gone, oh, my goodness, that person is going to interpret that action as incredibly violent and, you know, um, painful, yet it is my intention to hold higher space and not create any more negativity. So even though I have to be quite 
forceful of saying no or this is enough or I can't do this or, you know, moving something in a way that might be physically perceived to be provocative, it's actually that you know the intention behind it is totally out of love and purity. So whenever I teach karma, um, I always give the example, because you're right, you're absolutely right, it's intention. You can never control the outcome of your action. You can Mm. only control the intention coming through and intention Mm. is what creates karma. So I always teach the example of the time I gave Andre 3000 from Outcast to the wrong birthday cake. So I was working at Triple J at the time. I don't know how I got this job. It was not I was not the birthday cake provider. But anyway, here Did we are. Did not expect this story to yep. be going here. Physical world meets soul world. Andre three thousands coming in for an interview, outcast a massive, everyone's doing hey ya, everyone's excited. We discover it's his birthday. I'm like, I'm getting him a cake. Watch me get him a cake. It's going to be amazing. So I spend all day like figuring out how to get him an amazing cake. And I think I even managed to get his name written on the cake. And I'm so proud of the freaking cake. And then everything kind of fell apart a little bit in the timing of the interview. The show was timing out. It was about to end. He rushed in because there'd been traffic. It was meant to be a half hour. In the end, we got 10 minutes. It was all a bit rushed anyway. But I'm like, it's fine. I've got the cake. It's the, this man's birthday and there's cake. And, and I was so proud of myself. And then finally we get to the point where it's like, and happy birthday, we got you a cake. And he's vegan. <laughs> I did not get him a vegan birthday cake. So my intention was all intention. love and joy and light and like, here's a present. And he was like, this, I, I can't do anything with this. <laughs> this is such a beautiful story. But I figure my intention, my karma, my intention yes. was good. My karma on that action is actually going to be okay. And you learn that over and over in parenting as well because you have all this, you might be working with a child's needs and wants and the way, you know, they always love this kind of sandwich or whatever and you make that sandwich again and then suddenly their desire has changed and they go, why did you make me that sandwich? I don't want that sandwich. And the ego goes, how dare you? I was doing such a beautiful job of making you the most perfect sandwich that I knew you loved yesterday. And then the soul says, oh, you've changed your mind. It's not what you love anymore. Yeah, Andre 3000, I made, I got that cake for you. <laughs> I gave you Appreciate the sandwich. It. That's okay. It wasn't what you wanted. I'll move my soul energy and intention into something else and ask you, what do you like now? Yeah, there is so much going on. This, can I tell you, this understanding changes relationship. Yeah. I've been together with my partner a long time and We only learnt this, I think, in the last five years that I always say, hold on, what's your intention here? Mm. Like, because sometimes I think I'm thinking it's about the milk or the bread or do this well enough. And it might be that he's like, things are not running smoothly. And I have this deep intention of getting the mornings happening quicker. And I find that when this happens and I was like, oh, right, it's not about my coffee cup in the wrong place. It's... Your intention is to get it running smoother. I think I can help you with that. And my God, it changed things. And that is the difference between the material world view and the soul level view, isn't it? Yeah. Like there's that famous yeah. story about Oprah when her show started to change over from the you got my boyfriend pregnant and now I'm going to punch you kind of version of, Jerry of Oprah. Springer. Yeah, into the, the very soul attuned version of Oprah. And one of the big changes she made was whenever you wanted to pitch a story to her, you – first had to say what is the intention of this story and she was one of the first people to ever put that onto like the running the sheets you're not even allowed yeah. to pitch unless you've got a why and it's from the why that we will understand whether or not this fits it's not just here are the mechanics of it why do you want to do so it? so beautiful and the soul level understands that 
all of this is not mine. Yeah. Like I'm passing through. Yes. Even with people like, I, you know, I help a lot of mums who are in that empty nesting phase where they're like, my son or my daughter is doing this and I'm like, your job is to love and let go, yeah. like to Ugh. step out, to So step much back. letting go of being a human uh, yeah. with a soul. What, what, if my, what did Mary Oliver say? To live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it, and when the time comes, to let it go. Oh. Let it go. Oh, beautiful. I love Mary Oliver. Uh, what about clearing karma? What does that even mean? Like if these are the experiences we're meant to have, if these are the lessons that we are meant to learn, why would we want to clear them? Why would we want to take our own wisdom and knowledge and process away from ourselves? The undoing of the knots is the way I like to think about. So it goes back to our original concept of wanting to be closer to our soul frequency rather than the mind frequency or the ego frequency. It says, I want to be close to my soul. I want to be close to the spiritual essence of being here. So maybe if something is in discord, we can see it as being out of alignment with that soul connection. So if we go back to that soul connection and we look at this, you know, what would be my ultimate intention? How could I, you know, how can I get things flowing smoother? Things might come up like, I need to say sorry. I need to make amends. Yeah. I need to acknowledge that something happened or someone's feeling a certain way. Although my intention has not been sound. Yes. I might need to generate service in a direction that I haven't been of service. I might need to perform a cleansing or releasing experience or ritual or in Hawaiian culture, ho'oponopono, which is the I love you, I thank you, I forgive you, I release you. And it is basically, I think, in human form saying, I acknowledge that something might not be in balance here. And I'd like to be part of bringing it back into harmony because I know that when I connect back into that force of alignment, everyone flourishes and everything gets better. So I think that has a real resonance to it when you think of it like that. Whenever we talk about soul, soul purpose, reincarnation, this idea of continuity Mm. through like a continuity of experience – and of the soul. Yeah, like the ledger is held in the soul somehow or the journey is held in the soul. Akashic records. Yes. And as if we haven't gone deep enough into late night stone conversations in this podcast, let's get into fate <laughs> versus destiny. Like, because oh, we said we were going to go I, big or go reco- home. We're not even recording this late at night, but we should. <laughs> let's keep going deeper. Let's get into fate and destiny and free will. And can, do we have all three or, or are they all different or do they connect? They I think we do. So fate is what is held in the ledger repeating. Destiny is what you were designed to do this lifetime with it. And free will is what you use to change the two. When I first started reading, I started noticing that there was an energy line at the bottom of people's bodies that went forward. There was one that was going backwards and then there was this line of light that thread through them and for a long time I was like what is that I can't work out exactly what that is and if I could just step back and let the reading happen I noticed that over and over and over again when they wanted to talk about someone's destiny it was about the line of light going forward how much energy and map and story that they had incarnated with about what things were going to happen or the way they were going to design this life or what was available to them in this frequency. The back line was where they'd been, the stories, the past life stories, yep, the, the things they'd solved, the energy, the, the bank of 
frequency. And then the line on the top was the free will power. And what I noticed, which was so amazing, I used to say to people, okay, so you're in a destiny experience at the moment, which means this is designed to happen. You wanted this to happen on some level, which is very hard for us as human beings to believe sometimes unless it's like i won lottery i wanted it to happen yeah, then, hey my worst you know, nightmare that came sometimes through hasn't turned out well for people so <laughs> yeah but that line sometimes would get the free will line would get very small and i'd say so you don't have a lot of free will at the moment yeah. your free will needs to be to go with the destiny of this and to make the most powerful choices within this destiny and other times people go well why don't they tell me what to do just tell me what to do yeah. and i go you that you're in a very very strong free will aspect of your life at the moment so what it means is you have to use your power and your truth and your clarity and you have to feel your intuition and your way through this and that is why you're here not so I can tell you what to do but so I can tell you how to get connected so you can make that leap. I love giving that message. My clients don't always love receiving it. Where you're like, look, <laughs> if they wrote it out on a piece of paper and just gave you the answer, it wouldn't help you. The key here is you have to figure it out. Like they'll support you, but the power is in you doing the work to figure it out and to move through this. Because if they wrote it and put it on a piece of paper and gave it to you, it wouldn't mean anything. If you go through the struggle and the learning of figuring it out yourself, then it will have meaning. Then that's what it's about. I only recently read a woman again after 13 years who said literally everything you told me and told me about my future partner was to the letter. I read someone else and they why can't you tell me about who my next right? partner is? Yep. And it, not everyone's energy and karma and destiny and past life and free will is the same. It not even moves close. And it moves throughout this journey. And so are we stuck in fate no. Does the old story have to repeat this lifetime? No. It does tend to begin to if you've agreed to try and solve it in this lifetime. But you'll be given all the forces and characters and, you know, uh, grit that makes your pearl come up to be able to change it into destiny and flow. And when someone's in a really stuck place, really depressed dark space where it all feels like it's coming in on them often stuck in the energy of that fate frequency and I'll say please open three doors that are going to nurture you they're going to lighten you that are going to show you the way forward because what will happen is another three doors will open and another three doors and they'll want to push you forward through the birth canal because when you get stuck in that it can be a bit why me kind of like that's a sign that you're stuck in it why me why did I end up here why does this rather than what can I here it is I just take it as fact how do I move through it how do I bring my energy to it Rather than so, questioning yes, it. There are lessons within us that we learn through these fate, destiny and free will energies. In free will, it's your power. Yep. It's your intuition. It's can I feel my truth. Yep. It In destiny energy, it's can I go with the flow? Can I surrender? Can I trust? And with the past fate energies, it's can I move out of saboteur, victim, the energies of be prostituting myself, feeling like someone else needs to come in and save me. And that's why as a reader, I think you get very used to seeing these energies and go, right, you have to stand up. I'm sorry. And sometimes you do have to be that mentor and say, I love you and I'm going to be tough on this. You need to go for a walk for three days for 20 minutes because you've got to get this energy moving. And for other people, I'll say, you can't touch this frequency you need to let go please go and watch a not netflix series this has nothing to do with you currently disengage your mind 
but it's I think you after a long time of reading get to know what someone's in like being a surgeon where you look in someone's body and go this is what was required to help this energy move forward I think this really ties into the concept of privilege as well and it's a very it's a very welcome and new conversation that we are finally having on a um, society-wide level. Obviously, people in marginalised communities have been having this conversation forever. Mm -hmm. But it's like like this conversation of privilege and what it means to be born into a privileged body or circumstance Mm -hmm. finally has the traction and we're finally incorporating it into mainstream culture. It's a really interesting one when we think of especially karma and the war, the lessons we're here to learn and the way we're born into this world. And this is like, so this is the first lesson on karma I was ever given. And you'll know by about what year it was given to me by the person I'm going to use here. And that is Paris Hilton. So when I was taught about karma and this idea that there is no good karma and bad karma, they were like, okay, so think of Paris Hilton. She was very famous at the time. They are like, maybe she's got really good karma because she was born into this lifetime, very rich and very um, in a very powerful family and in a very traditionally considered beautiful body. So like maybe she's got really great karma. And so that's why she was just born with all, you know, tick, tick, tick. How amazing is her life? But they were like, if you want to look at it from a soul level perspective, if you want to think about your soul expanding and learning and meeting the challenges you have to meet in order to grow and being able to find spiritual teachings and spiritual people, being born rich, white and in Hollywood actually is probably the worst place to be. To, okay. to for some people it's okay yeah to like really yeah. actually like do that juicy soul work whereas in some ways being born into more challenging circumstances it's easier to access those teachings and I've just this idea no good karma bad karma it's mm. it's a puzzle it's a real puzzle and it is true you you always um bring us back to this beautifully and say is it you know did you manifest it or, or is it, it white, white privilege, privilege? And, and and i i think that's really true i remember when i was working with my teacher jason and you know he was teaching me various shamanic things and i used to turn up in my little fluffy pink white spice girls jacket with my platforms and and you know and want to go to music concerts and he'd look at me and and he'd be teaching me this thing with the corn shell and how to move clouds and and stuff and he, you know it's so funny you came as a little white girl and he says, now, love, there's going to be things that you're going to have to, I don't know if you're going to be able to go to all places. You're going to have to like, hmm, you're going to have to work with your karma on this. And it was the first time in my life that somebody turned to me and went, what you are is not the highest thing you could be yeah, in this energy. It's not ideal. It completely shifted my perspective. And it's true. When I stand next to an Indigenous healer, I feel very small, very white, very underdeveloped, Mm. and as though there's only so far I can go. Equally think that our world has made it look like if you've got really good karma or a really good destiny, it's about being famous, it's about having money, and this is so important for our next generation, that we're all running our own race and whatever you – and it is one of the biggest – starting points of the is the acceptance of who you chose as your family who you came in with with what you came in with where and then how are you going to use your power and frequency and with what's within you to move through that and produce that flow for yourself and that's where you get happiness or joyfulness because it feels like you're finally tending to the ship whereas when you start looking at everyone else and you go oh my god bigger boobs and maybe I should be more educated or wish I had more money I think immediately you start feeling horrible because you're moving away from your soul frequency yeah and I think the real key here is 
whenever I teach this, I teach that it's something that you choose to do personally. You never say to another person, oh yeah, but like that's your karma or oh yeah, but there's no good karma or bad karma. You especially never say that to somebody in a marginalized position or a marginalized community or body. And you can, I think you can also really understand structural privilege and what it means to be born with it or without it. And then that's kind of almost a bit macro and then micro pull down to your own life and go like, okay, but how am I going to navigate this? What are the choices I choose to make about how I see my life and how I see my karma and what I do with my fate and my destiny and my free will? And it can be really empowering. And it does come down to that thing that you were talking about, about good versus bad, that we've created this concept. I've read people who eat meat and three veg from tin, you know, and they're 90, and they've got the most loving, connected, powerful frequency you can imagine. I've read someone who only eats raw food. It's freezing cold all the time. They will only eat it at a certain temperature. And they're so restricted, I almost feel like I can't breathe. And yet, if you look at it as what we're talking about at the moment, everyone feels like, oh, this is what you should do and this makes you good. And yet I, I think That's what I have to say that, to the idea of good. It, yeah, this whole notion that there are certain things that are more spiritual than others in a physical Drives level. Me mental. I, I think it's really confusing. And, and I think if anything to teach our younger generation is – I know you may not love where you came from or what's going on or the stories of your your culture or whatever, but let's try and work through this because what I've found is when people fall in love with who they are, why they came the way they did and they see how they can change it, that is mind-blowing. And if we had a world doing that and helping each other do it, I think we'd be in a really good place. That's beautiful. That is so beautiful, especially thinking about having a soul, having a body, the connections between the two. How do we care for our soul? If we're a soul in a body and we're an interdimensional being Mm. currently in a 3D kind of dimensional situation, how do we care for our soul? How do we look after ourselves? So everything in our culture is really pushing us away from our soul space. Well, a lot of it is. And it's mimicking energy that makes us feel fed. Yeah, but but actually doesn't feed us at all. And what we have to do is return to that wild soul Mm. nature. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, one of my spiritual crushes, talks about a lot as our animus, the part that animates us. And when we become separated from our soul, we dry out, we become parched, we lose joy, we lose creative experience. And she says you must serve your soul. And when you serve your soul, your life becomes animated again, the regrowth, the rebirth, the creation, the joy comes back, the bumping into other soul frequencies Mm. that are like you returns. And so we do need to serve the body because it is the temple of the soul. I mean, my body is kind of more like one of those ancient Greek temples where there's like, oh, what do you call the woman who was the whore at the temple? I probably know her well. Of Aphrodite. <laughs> and it's like open for business. But I know, I take your point. I take your point. But that's what's good for your soul, right? And there was a point in my life where that was what was good for my soul. And then you go, oh, that's not what now. I'm feeding at the moment. But your soul is a wild and animated beast and it's constantly trying to wake us up it's trying to talk to other things that are the language of the soul but if you've got a lot of noise going on yes you can't always hear it so one of the first things to do is to turn the noise down around the physical world a little bit and get back to the soul and then you find a place to heal and I think it then tries to remove veils constantly and show you the way Mm. and I think also 
asking what is the bigger picture here? Even in the smallest little, this is so annoying and human and I can't believe that I dropped my coffee on the ground and now I can't drink it and that's going to piss me off. What is the bigger picture here? Like can I, like this idea of being able to zoom out Mm. to the soul level view of your life. Anytime you can do that, I really think it helps you. And once you can return to that inner feeling of your essence, it doesn't matter what you hold as food, you'll go, that works for me, that doesn't. Like honestly, cold food constantly for me does not work. I think I must have died in a gulag in another time because, and starved because if you starve me or you make something cold constantly, I'm very, very, very unhappy. Yet if something's warm, I'm like completely like in love. So you've got to work out what works for you. It's like hard bed, soft bed, medium bed. You need to work you've it out. You've got to do the Goldilocks of it all. And right? the other thing I think to remember is that we do – have this body that we've got to service because it's the temple of the soul and the spirit. We have to remember to connect all those phone lines. But it is important to remember that we have an ego and that that ego will try and confuse us about our soul experience and journey. And it'll get very attached and it'll spark off things and it'll keep wrestling with us a little bit. The more we can see that as one of our things we need to tend to in this life, it becomes so much easier And also be kind to yourself. That's how you connect with your soul. Like if the soul is love and it comes from the way which we come from and we return to (laughs) bullying yourself, being critical of yourself. Why haven't I done this yet? Everybody else has done this. Never that none of that is soul stuff. The soul doesn't know that timing. And isn't it interesting recently um, when Kobe and his daughter passed over, a lot of people's messages and memes to each other were on this level, like hold each other, tell each other you love each other, like be good to yourself, you know, do what makes your soul sing, you know, whatever's good for your soul, do that. And I think that's how we do it better. Whatever's good for your your soul, soul do that. Do that. Okay, that's how we care for our body while we're here. What about when we leave? What about when we go? Yeah, how you enter may not have been a lot in your consciousness, but how we exit and help, how we help others exit is really important. There are so many cultures where the soul has to be honoured by looking into the eyes of the animal or the person as they leave, uh, saying a prayer, um, using the language of the soul is really, really important. And I think that if we learn to embrace these ins and outs of the soul, we learn how to live. The same energy it takes to live we need to die Stephen Jenkinson talks about this mindfulness stamina curiosity willingness vulnerability mindfulness we can we can do this a whole lot better if we become less afraid of the soul as a concept coming in going out and being eternal and this idea that it's not over like people are very afraid of death because it seems like the end but if you get this soul level view of like no it's okay it's just another doorway and you walk through the doorway to birth and you walk through through the doorway to death and then birth again like it's fine yeah yeah the buddhist rebirthing concept that really helps help me live i think a lot less with fear it helped it's helped me although some days like i've had so many experiences where i honestly believe this to be true i know that we live on i know that that there is more to the picture and yet other days if somebody i love dies it's just like none of that makes sense anymore and no 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 and this sucks oh sucks yeah yeah Mm. nothing will stop the world more that what's that yeah. poem, you know yes. stop all the clocks and because yeah. when so somebody's sacredness yeah. leaves it's this big. plane 
that is this oh i know i watched it in my and then when i think about my sacredness leaving this plane like i know there was about four billion years of the universe before i got here in this consciousness and there'll probably be like roughly another four billion after i leave but it's really hard to conceive of the world existing before i got here and continuing after i die it's like no that doesn't that doesn't seem right <laughs> i'll be the first person to never die right great cool got it yeah well see yeah, i had a death wish for mm-hmm. a while in my 20s and I know there was lots of people out there that have that that understanding and it was I was yeah. afraid of living I didn't yeah. know how to live it was too much to live I didn't want to stay and actually the decision to make this a journey that I don't end that somebody else ends that something else ends was such a, a big decision and such a powerful decision and now I'm like well at some point that won't be my decision, but my job is to make every moment, every day, every experience as strong and powerful as I can. And that gave the life yep. back yep. to me in this weird way. I, I I think it is such a big thing and we don't teach it at schools very well and our culture shuts off from it. And really, if you're turning away from death, you're turning away from the soul. You're t- it's like it needs to – we need to start celebrating it like it's birthing, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Anything you deny, it's not helpful to deny anything. You've got to embrace yeah. it. And our soul just opens up during those experiences. You, people feel alive and more soulful during all of it. This is a big topic because a lot of people are dying and – Death has become visceral in our culture during this pandemic. And the threat of passing and not living anymore has become closer to us than ever, I think, as a generation. And I think that this topic is something that maybe in our busy lives, we didn't really give much attention to. Like, why are we here? What happens when we go? All of those kinds of questions. I think so much of the busy life as well is putting it all into the future. Mm. Oh, like rather than dealing with it in the now. And that includes, oh, in the future I'll die and I'll deal with what it means to die. But I don't ever need to think about it right now. And, yeah, at the moment we're all really being called to think about mortality, ours and that of the people we love, what it means for large swathes of the population to die, because that's always happened. There's always large swathes of the population dying. And sometimes we're just like, well, there's nothing we can do about drug addiction. There's nothing we can do about suicide. Mm. It just just is kind of all out of our grasp. But here's a time that the community really has stepped up and been like, no, we're going to support each other and protect each other and see if we can save our vulnerable people from dying. And also we're watching death tolls. You know, we're Mm. watching numbers and we're watching whole scenarios of mass death. And even the other day on television, I was listening to people, um, a conversation about death and dying and grieving on the news, um, how to honour loved ones if you can't be at their funeral. These conversations are very much a thing that is happening now. And so I thought to myself how interesting it was that we were going to cover this topic and talk a little bit about that world and the afterlife. Very timely. Very timely. Mm-hmm. All right, so what are our takeaways? Souls, you've got them. So is your dog. So is your plants. It's all good. We're all connected. <laughs> <laughs> your soul's yeah. going to keep trying to wake you up. It's going to clang at three in the morning. If you're not sleeping, it's because your soul is trying to tell you something. Yeah. Karma, don't worry. It's not good. It's not bad. You're allowed to just embrace where you're at. Start where you are. Do, do what, what you, you can. can. Use what you have. With what you got. You know, sit down and have a feel into your soul. Ask it what it's missing. If it's sad, help, help it get what it needs. If it needs comforting and nurturing, help it get what it needs. And 
don't be afraid of stepping more into the soulful connection of life because on the other side of it is a mm, sense and it, of And it doesn't end. It's not over. There isn't a beginning, a middle, and an end. It continues. You're fine. You're fine. Yeah, you can't fuck it up. That's my takeaway. <laughs> yeah. Either you'll get another lifetime. It's fine. Fuck it up this lifetime. Go next lifetime. You'll be good. Okay. All right. Let's um let's get into our what the world needs now, Lynette. And mine, I'm going to go first if you don't mind, because yeah, mine is yeah, very connected to what we've just talked about. And you know that I love television. And there's a TV show called The Good Place, which if you're interested in the concept of the soul and the afterlife, it's a little bit more from a philosophical perspective than a religious perspective, but it's really good. It's called The Good Place. It's I think it's only four seasons of like they're half hour episodes. They're really easy to get through and it's so beautiful and it's such a great way of looking at the soul and the meaning of life and the meaning of death. And so that's what my world needs now is more The Good Place. I think I think you love it. I love that. I'm going to get into that, I think. I need a new series. I'm into two things. One is I found out that Copenhagen, I knew I always loved Copenhagen, but I love it even more because I found out that they're going to plant fruit trees all throughout the city so that people can just walk past and it. grab a snack for free. And I think that's what the world needs now. But I also recently visited a butterfly house and honestly, they are amazing. Most cities have one. In amazing atrium where caterpillars are weaving and butterflies are being born and there's just thousands of butterflies flapping everywhere amongst all these beautiful trees and you can just sit the thing I found was the resonance was absolutely a one I could have sat there for a lifetime and I thought if I entered with any energy of discord or anything that was slightly unwell in my body it was completely gone butterfly houses. when I left the butterfly oh house. nice one it's hey amazing. Elle where can we find you out there uh, when you're outside of the Wooverse? where are you I'm at myenergymentor.com if I'm not at the ocean <laughs> and Kiralee where can we find you uh, you can find me at kiralelynch.com that's k-i-r-i-l-e-i-g-h lynch.com Please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. If you're enjoying the podcast, if you like what we do, um, it helps us spread the love and spread the woo-woo and get more people up in the woo-woo crew. So, yeah, subscribe, leave us a five-star rating and review. We really appreciate it. If you want to talk about uh, any of this with us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook, Woo-Woo-Verse on both Insta and Facebook. Come join our community of flamingos. Come and have a chat. We're going to have a UTC for this episode. It'll come out in a couple of days, so listen up for it. I think you're really going to love it. I'm going to read you a story. And uh, hey, Lynette, support you. Support you. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. The Wooverse is recorded and edited by our incredible super producer, Dan Zivkovic. We love him. And if this conversation has brought up anything for you or if there's any extra work you've realised you want to do around this topic, then please know that you do not have to traverse the Wooverse alone. We encourage you to build a support team around you and to do what you need to do to take really good care of yourself because you're amazing. So be good to you.